Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. All right, everybody. Today we have Todd and Aaron Stone. Um, They are the owners of the gym that I go to, so I really wanted them to be a part of this project. Um, So if you guys could go ahead and introduce yourselves and and uh, plug whatever you want to plug. Yeah, I'm Erin. I'm Tom. <laughs> and we do own uh, CrossFit 12 Stones. Um, you may see it as 12 Stones Health and Fitness as well. Uh, we um, have, we opened our gym in March of 2018. Uh, a little background of like why we started the gym. We lived in Seattle for right when we got married. Um, and then we moved in 2017, knowing that we wanted to be closer to family. And we saw uh, an opportunity to be in the Tri-Cities area where we live, um, which is Eastern Washington. And we are, have the chance to just be closer to family, but also we're really passionate about the community and making sure that we are giving resources that aren't just limited. Um, to CrossFit. Um, that's why I said you can see it says CrossFit 12 Stones or 12 Stones Health and Fitness because we do more than just CrossFit. Uh, we have nutrition coaching, we do personal training, um, team training as well are a few of the things that we have done in the past. Anything you want to add to that? No, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I kind of transitioned into your gym um, was just because of the community health aspect that you guys are really known for and really wanting um, I was talking to someone else the other day just how this collective or this co-op you know kind of a thing and uh, what a great idea so um, that's definitely why I jumped on board as well Um, so uh, we first we're going to talk about um, nutrition and pregnancy and how you know most people are like okay don't drink alcohol 
limit your caffeine and limit fish, you know, and then that's about it that people really talk about. So, um, you have a nutrition coaching background and doing more certifications for prenatal postpartum. So if you could elaborate kind of how you got into that and why you got into it and kind of what you've learned, um, just briefly about, um, something that's different that you didn't really think about before or anything like that. Yeah. So I, I think it, my nutrition journey first started, I was, I should say my pregnancy nutrition journey first started by getting into nutrition, um, and understanding what that looked like. So I first started with precision nutrition, which is, um, I like to view it as like the gold standard of nutrition coaching and without, um, having a four-year degree in it, if <laughs> to put it lightly, there are people, um, I think there's lots of differences that we could go into as far as credential wise, but nutrition or precision nutrition, even people with four-year degrees really enjoy it because it talks a lot about the psychology with food, the science of food, um, and how to approach it. Um, so after I did that, I did working against gravity, um, and working against gravity is more catered or a lot more well-known in the CrossFit world, um, of ways to control your nutrition. So after I got into those, um, and then once we found out that we were pregnant, I had a foundation already. And so I was really curious, like, okay, now what does this foundation look like into pregnancy? So there was a few resources that I started digging into to understand what does that look like? Not just for me, but for other pregnant women, um, pre and postpartum. And so that's kind of the journey that got me to where I am, um, or understanding is it just limiting the caffeine and fish? So exactly. And there's always, you can always go in depth as in depth as you want with anything really medical or health wise. Um, or you can go as little as you want. It just depends on what your capacity is. And before we jump in a little bit more specifically about nutrition and the perinatal time, um, I like the idea of kind of telling about the difference between nutrition coach slash nutritionist slash dietitian, if you don't mind. Yeah. So there, so for a dietitian, um, most of them have, all of them have like a four year degree and then they have to go do an internship. I always found this interesting because I have several friends that are a registered dietitian. Um, and they have, as you do with like many internships, you are end up paying for it out of pocket in order to go do it. Yep. Um, and then they have, so many hours that they have to accomplish in order to become a registered dietitian. In most states, um, and this is always something I like to warn people of, is when they are start seeking out nutrition help. Mm -hmm. In most states, uh, only a registered dietitian could provide you a meal plan. Um, so if somebody else is coming to you and they're like, I love nutrition coaching, and here's a meal plan, it's like, cool, I just always get a little weary of that. Maybe it's because I'm a rule follower, maybe it's because I know I don't have this certification as extensive as dietitians. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, and then when it comes to like, there are different credentials again for nutritionists and then for nutrition coaching, you can look at what certifications ha they have. So I think a lot of people also, what's really cool about us having so much access on the web nowadays is they can learn a lot, but still not be certified in anything. And if that's something that you don't care about, great. Or if that's something where you're like, no, I want to make sure that the person I'm working with has studied or has been certified under some umbrella. Mm -hmm. uh, I always 
suggest like be open. Like if you're going to be working with somebody with a nutrition coach as a nutrition coach, and there are certain aspects that you care about, like that's your health and your body. So if you want to ask those questions, like, Hey, what certifications you have, then ask them. Um, so yeah, I am a nutrition coach. I don't have a four-year degree in it, but I've gone through several programs that are still hours and hours and hours and hours of studying. They're just not weekend programs either. Um, to make sure I have a foundation that equips people, um, with the knowledge that I have in order to help them hit their nutrition goals too. And then Todd, have you done any specific nutrition uh, or uh, either learning or in your undergrad or anything like that? Yes. Um, so in undergrad, so I have my degree in uh, clinical physiology and that's my bachelor's degree. And as part of that, I took a few nutrition courses, mostly just because they are what interested me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I took a, um, just like a general nutrition class that pretty much everyone takes at some point if they're going through like their gen eds. Um, but then I also took a medicinal nutritional class as well as a sports nutrition class. Okay. Um, I don't have any kind of certs in that. I leave that to yeah. <laughs> more like in-depth nutrition cert people. Um, but I, and I think just between that and going through a lot of the coaching stuff on my own, I understand a lot of stuff. But yeah, I currently am not pursuing any kind of nutrition certs. Yeah, and when and it just shows the the, the plethora of what is available and what you can use, and kind of blend all the things together. So that's always a good diversifying your um, background, which is really important. Yeah, um, I think, oh, go ahead. Like Aaron was saying, like even though I do have like a year's worth of university like nutrition stuff, like. Technically, I have no right to coach anyone in nutrition, like at any level, you know, that's, and that's with me spending a year studying nutrition in college. Yeah, so. and I think, Todd, and um, us two have talked about um, kind of how college and like real life, sometimes it doesn't really go together, and how I think right now in the medical world, they're suggesting that there's 18 years gap between when research is validated versus when it becomes clinical practice. And even if you, which is, yeah, like you're not, like that's ridiculous, right? Um, so like think about in the medical training, right? Or in your uh, gen ed classes, you know, how far behind is that research too? And does everything have to be researched? Um, I sometimes think sometimes common sense is a little bit, more than research sometimes. So um, I think sometimes that is um, not uh, looked at as diligently, but you know, it is what it is. Um, that's kind of where we're going in, in now. Um, so then if you guys then want to talk about, um, then I guess diving into like nutrition and, and prenatal and even like preconception, because sometimes people who might be having trouble with um, uh, becoming pregnant and conceiving uh, may tweak some stuff for their uh, chances of helping fertility. Um, doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but there's a chance and, um, and kind of go through that process a little bit. Yeah. So I can kind of speak a little bit like on my own journey and what that looked like. Uh, sorry. <laughs> our dog losing our, his mind. He's probably going to come back here in a second. Uh, so yeah, my own journey. Um, Gosh, uh, about a year before we got pregnant, I just was in a spot where it's like, 
Hey, like I know I could be smarter with my nutrition. Um, I did, I wasn't like seeking a certain goal. Oh, actually I was, that's a lie. I should say my goal is to, because we knew that we were probably going to get pregnant around the time that we did, or like start trying, I should say at least. Um, and my goal was like, Hey, I've never had a six pack before. Like it'd be cool to have a six pack before we got pregnant because I don't know what life would look like. So I was like, but now's the time to do so. Yeah. So I dove in uh, and first just started. This was before I really got into studying anything. Um, and I just literally cut back my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, I would have that as my pre workout snack, but I literally just cut those out and had a more uh, balanced snack instead before I went to the gym. Um, and there's nothing wrong with the PB and J. It was just one thing that I was like, I'm going to see how this affects my nutrition. Yeah. So um, I dropped a lot. I wish I was kidding. Like, yes, there's a, probably a few other little tweaks I did, but like the main thing that we can both identify when I started losing weight is cutting out back. I shouldn't say out, cutting back on my PB and J's. So then after that, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, I want to know what else it takes to fuel my body then I started kind of getting more into that mindset of like okay I know it's not just peanut butter and jellies and like why my body's changing but I want to know more so I signed up to do the precision nutrition course mm-hmm. started learning more um some of it was like so sciencey that I was like whoa like whoa. just yeah yeah and then, um I decided to sign up for working against gravity to have my own personal nutrition coach because we knew that the goal of me doing precision nutrition was to offer nutrition coaching to our members. So our philosophy is like coaches still need to be coached. And so we wanted to understand what that process looked like, things that we would want to tweak on our own and things that we really wanted to take away from that. So I started, um, working with a nutrition coach. I got to the leanest I ever had been in my life. Um, pretty darn close to a six pack. Um, again, but that I got to the point where I was like, wow, I just feel really good. Like I have a lot of energy uh-huh. Things like workouts felt easier. Like I just felt good. Um, and I cared less about the six pack. Like that was initially the goal. And I think the reason of like my why for that was because I wanted to see if I could do it. It wasn't necessarily because I was like, it was a failure or a success if I got a six pack. It was more just like a, let's see if I can do that. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a lot of preconceived notions when people are like, I wanna get a six pack. But mine, I, yeah, I don't know what my notion was behind it other than let's see if I can do that. Uh, but it, my mindset shifted a lot. So got into um, working against gravity. And then I started doing my own. Um, coaching certification with them and learning more. Um, and they were awesome because then they give you one-on-one feedback about, Hey, let's see if you were to talk with somebody about this kind of situation, how would you handle it? So all of that encompassed. And then I was talking with my nutrition coach about what I wanted or like our plan to grow our family Mm -hmm. and become pregnant. And so a few things that she was talking with me is like, not just worrying about like the big picture, which I don't want to get too nitty gritty on this. Of like, yeah. okay, your protein, fat and carbs. But she's like, Hey, let's work on getting more vegetables, like micronutrients into your diet because it's really easy to hit certain things in your diet. But if you're throwing out this really important bubble of your food, like then we're missing a lot. Um, 
So that was a really long winded answer, but that's kind of my journey to where we got uh, to where we are now of being pregnant. Um, so I was like crushing nutrition. I was learning lots, um, a resource, um, by a registered dietitian called, um, uh, real food for pregnancy. So I started ingesting a lot of that information and like preparing myself of knowing like what kind of food has been researched, um, or lack of research or minimal research per perception, like we were saying, yeah. fish and caffeine. Yeah. Like that, where it's like, at the end of the day, that's not there. I shouldn't say all of that's a, not a big deal, but it's also cultural. A lot of things in America, um, we do different than other countries where they have a lot of different views on pregnancy nutrition and their babies are just fine. Um, so that was a really long winded answer, like I said, but it, that's kind of my journey up to where we are and where we got uh, to, to this point of my own. So then when you felt that when you had the six pack and like you had the leanest that you ever were, but you still felt like healthy enough that um, you were able to conceive when you wanted to, because some people tend could potentially lose, you know, the menstruation cycle or something like that. But it sounds like you know you kind of knew where your limit was and your balance was, and then you would make sure that um, you were healthy, like you said, all around. Yep, fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, I think to build on that too is um, I wasn't necessarily doing that to prepare myself for pregnancy, which in hindsight, like, yeah, totally fine too. Like I believe like with, with certain, like if that's your goal, cool. Um, but I think understanding the reason why you're making some nutrition decisions is like the most important thing that people can do when they're going on a nutrition journey. So uh, if they are, and like, well, like you don't have to be the leanest you've ever been in order to get pregnant. There's like, it's not like, by any means what I thought I had to do. Um, and so just throwing that out there too, of understanding, I think, yeah, it comes down to like why you're doing what you're yeah. doing. And it's kind of like, um, an, a body positivity spin because people right now are taking body positivity as like, it's okay to disregard your health, like to, because you're, it doesn't about about your weight or anything like that. That's not what that's about. It's about, allowing you to know that you're making choices and you're making educated choices and understanding why you're doing it. Just like you were saying, like your why, there's nothing wrong with having a goal like that because you like, you want to say like, I'm young, I'm healthy. Let's like see what happens kind of a thing. And, and then also if someone comes to you and has that goal, then you be like, Oh, this is what I did. And doesn't mean that you have to do it this way, but um, being okay with letting everyone have um, a, a legit why and why they want to do it is totally okay as well. So then, then, so what was your, like, when you were planning on getting pregnant and stuff like that, what was, um, your plan, like, in pregnancy to, like, what you were, like, wanting to eat, when you want to take out, like, change things up, that kind of thing, and then Todd, you can kind of jump into about how you support her during that, or, like, what your conversations were, and then, like, what actually happened. Totally. Todd's laughing, because one of my first weird pregnancies things that I wanted was an Arby's sandwich, which I will say why that's so weird. Obviously most people that have gotten super lean on their life aren't eating Arby's sandwiches. And I hadn't had one in probably 15 years. So, um, rewind. I thought going into pregnancy, I was like, I am so equipped. 
I own a gym. I have so much access to like <clears throat> modified movements. I'm going to be eating so healthy. Like I know what it takes. Like I've read all the resources. I'm not scared of certain things like the world tells us to be scared of, but like educated in what I should be eating to have a healthy baby and have a healthy pregnancy for myself. And that has, and still is. So now we're almost 29 weeks pregnant. And that is like the farthest thing from the truth of like what has actually happened in these last 29 weeks. Uh, And I think it was really hard on me being like, I know this is not technically like what I should be eating, but I'm so nauseous that like, this is what sounds good. And so I think what for my, for me, like, especially the first trimester, my philosophy is being fed is what's best for me right now because I wasn't luckily I wasn't throwing up or anything but I was just like food was a pain and I think you're like I kind of wish I was vomiting because my nausea might go away at that point it's like a constant struggle of like I work a full-time job outside of us owning the gym and so I would get home and then I would be like okay I'm just gonna nap for like 45 minutes and then I'll get up and work out mind you COVID hit and so like our workouts were all outdoors and limited equipment equipment and my body was like that doesn't feel so good anymore don't do that movement so it was a really hard process Todd would like make me food and then one day it just all switched and it was like you cannot cook bacon in the house you cannot cook potatoes in the house well no (laughs) yeah so it was really rough. rough yeah and then I don't know if you want to talk about like how I felt like, I think what was really hard on both of us is like, I, I knew in the depths of my soul, like it was okay. But on the outside, I was like, this is not okay. Like I am not being kind to myself or to our child. And I think that was really hard on me. And then it turned really hard on Todd because he was like, how do I support you? I don't know if you want to talk about like that process of um he's still yeah. figuring it I out mean, probably. we're still we're still figuring it out we're not done yet um but I think for sure like she said like it was it was pretty obvious like Aaron had this idea of like perfect nutrition and perfect fitness and just like the perfect storm of COVID and like nausea and all that stuff hit and like it just totally changed things and I think just the important thing was to remind her that like everyone's pregnancy is going to be different um you know and and that doesn't make it right or wrong you know you can definitely make bad choices or good choices or whatever like better or worse choices but like like she said like at a certain point it was just about like you need to get some calories in your body and we went from Aaron always being the person eating like all the vegetables and all the lean meats and stuff to just yeah being like oh I, I just want like a cheeseburger or Panda Express or whatever. And then, yeah, we would go through these phases of like, oh, I'm gaining way too much weight, way too fast and all this stuff. I'm like, you're okay. Like you're pregnant. You're supposed to be gaining weight. Mm-hmm. And it would turn into Aaron being like, oh no, but like, this is too much. This is too fast. I'm like, well, we're going to see the doctor in like a week. So we'll, we'll talk with her there. We'd go in and the doctor would be like, you're fine. It's no big deal. And then, it, and then it would be like two or three weeks. We'd be good. And then kind of with, whenever we get to within a week or two, it's back to like the, oh, I'm getting weight too fast. Like this isn't working out right. But you know, it's just like, 
it's definitely, yeah, it's something that we're still learning on like how to reassure and, and kind of like Aaron was talking about of like knowing your why and what you're doing this for, you know, and just kind of reminding Aaron of that, of like your goal right now isn't to be super lean. Your goal is to be healthy and to grow a human child in your body right now. Like that's amazing. Like what you're doing is awesome. And like, that's more impressive than like, any other feat that we've done in the gym, you know, like the fact that you're actually like creating a new life. Um, so like, I think that constant reminder and just like, I think that's again, just kind of going back to like your why and like, why are we doing what we're doing? And like, yes, there's struggles, but that's okay. Because like things are going well, like the way we want them to be going. Yeah. And I think it was really helpful for me to like be open with Todd of saying, I think if I were to have been keeping all of this inside, I think I would have just been, chaos like I would I mean and I already felt like chaos for Todd because he kept on being like it's okay it's okay um but I think by us having that open communication and him specifically asking like what do you see because and I feel like we've always had pretty good communication in our relationship but he would specifically ask like what do you see me supporting you look like there was a a long time that I said like I don't know what it looks like But then if there's certain things where it's like, I know actually right now I'm just turning to the ice cream because it's convenient and in our freezer. It's like, Hey, can you help me just by like not buying as much ice cream? It's not even that I'm like, that's the only thing that I can eat. I'm like, "Hmm, I can have ice cream. Let's eat ice cream. But it's like, okay, the reason I'm choosing the ice cream is just because it sounds fun right now. And I can almost like, I can justify having more ice cream than usual, which again, wrong, but it was just like, that's not the decision I wanted to be making. And one of the ways that I would feel supported is by him helping me. If I'm like, Hey, let's get ice cream at the store tonight. And he'd be like, are you sure? Like, yeah, if you want, like, is that really what you want though? And then I would give me a chance to like really sit in on that and think like, no, like that's not really what I want. Like, I think it was just a fun thing. Um, that's not to say we don't have ice cream. Currently. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. That communication was really helpful, especially him asking like, what do you see the support looking like rather than in him just assuming what I wanted and then maybe yeah. get it. and even if we take this like away from just like what you're talking about specifically I think um we're talking about in society and then in and just life in general how like asking questions and like actually calling people out and not even calling them in a bad way but just be like what do you want like what can you give me more specific rules or boundaries or more specific guidance like it's not bad to ask that like no matter if it's a friend your partner your coworker, like whatever it is um so that's great that you guys knew like you had to be direct and you couldn't just um like tiptoe around it you had to be direct and you had to really know um and it was good like to have accountability of remembering the why or remembering um, those questions like what were our goal is and stuff like that. So awesome. So then would you like to talk about, um, so you talked about um, now does precision or WAG have specific prenatal postpartum coaching certifications? Um, Yeah. So I would, rather than like certifications, they have like continuing education. So working against gravity had, more from what I found, um, of like a specific pregnancy, um, course. So, I mean, I wouldn't consider it certified. Um, but I would say that like, it was specific to pregnancy, uh-huh. which was really helpful of what their philosophy is. And yeah. also when I was first pregnant, my nutrition coach would also encourage me like, 
it's okay. Like we have other nutrition coaches that are eating McDonald's and they've never had McDonald's. Like let's choose little goals. Um, so, um, I, the course that I did take was through working against gravity. Okay. And then I guess just for this more like strict informational stuff, and I'm just picking your brain. So then is there a recommended amount of macros that they suggest like percentage wise or like specific, specific actually, um, are there certain, like, uh, certain formulas that they suggest for finding out what your perfect macros are or anything like that? Yeah. So rather than like percentages, cause again, I always get weary throwing those out to just like people. So then they're like, Oh, this is what I have to do. Exactly. Yeah. So for pregnancy, um, it should be higher in fat and protein and carbs. And when I say lower in carbs, I'm not saying 60 grams of carbs. I'm sure there are some people out there that would say like, stay low on carbs, but overall carbs should be lower and they should be lower than, um, what you're doing when you're essentially training at the gym hard. Um, so that is kind of the thought process uh, with that. So higher fat, fat is okay. Your baby needs fat while it is growing. It needs fat. Fat is not bad. Fat is not bad. Fat is not bad. And it needs protein in order to develop everything that is being asked of the baby to develop. And can you elaborate that a little bit more? Like, did they talk about specifically why that fat and higher fat and protein content was appropriate? Yeah. So a few of the reasons. So a lot of the big ones that they talk about is the neural tube development mm -hmm. for the baby. So, um, fat is what essentially even in our own bodies keeps everything moving smoothly. It's actually can be an energy source as well. Um, so more like the most important thing for the baby or the reason for the baby to have fat is that it can develop everything that it needs to, not just for it to be happy and feeling good, but without, if people are lacking in fat, like there could be developmental delays in the baby or just it not, um, trying to think of like the best way to say it without getting too crazy on it, but, um, there could be defects in the baby or, um, just not full growth as they would have hoped in the child. Gotcha. Yeah. And then was there an emphasis of the carbs, you know, is it more, do we want more fruits, vegetables, whole grains? Um, is it okay? Like, is it okay to have sugar, you know, which is a carb? Um, do they talk about that at all? Yeah. So I also got really nervous around that. Um, but carbs, you can still have them, but it is something to be really aware of, of like having not as much. So, and it's hard for me again to say not as much. So for example, I was eating over 200 grams of carbs a day when I was working out really active. Having now in my perfect nutrition world, yeah. I would still be staying under that a little bit, probably around like 160 grams of carbs a day, maybe yeah. a little bit higher. Um, was I doing that? Have I been doing that? No. Have I had issues with any of my blood work that I've done? No. Uh, and that could be attributed to my body leading up to it. I don't know the scientific reason for that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the reason why you don't want to have that elevated carb level too is like that insulin control in your body. So people can think of that as like the energy highs and lows that you get. If you like think of having a bagel and that's your only breakfast, usually people are like, oh, I feel full. And then all of a sudden by like, 
10 or 9.30, they're crashing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the reason that you don't want to have the carbs is because that's also your body doing this is not great for your baby because um, your baby is using that energy as well. So um, again, that's a rough estimate to tell you guys of like what that looks like for me. So if we're going to do quick math, like maybe like 50 grams of carbs less than you would usually do, and then an increase in fat. So my fat was right around like 60 and in a perfect world, um, it would be higher around like 80, 85, 90 uh, grams of carb or grams of fat a day. And it's also too, um, with the research I've done with my project is that um, uh, physiologically the pancreas, which is the organ in our body that creates insulin to counteract glucose and, and, um, and glycogen and stuff like that actually doesn't work as well as it does um, when you're pregnant. So that's why they test for diabetes, um, gestational diabetes and stuff like that. So it's pretty interesting too how your organs also change, um, not only physically to account for the growing baby, but also physically, physiologically also change as well. So then um, now I guess back to like the caffeine thing, or then let's talk about then specifically like things, maybe like myths and truths about um, the foods that we are not allowed to eat or something like that. Um, and maybe like recommendations of like hydration or something like that. Yeah. So I think to be honest, like caffeine, I think is one of the big ones too. So like a good number to stay under is like 200 milligrams of caffeine a day. Mm -hmm. So that's not saying like, and if you're somebody who's like, actually, I just feel more confident not having a caffeine and I can go cold turkey. Obviously there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But if you're somebody that's like, I enjoy coffee and like, it gives me a little pickup or cause also it's not just, obviously coffee is just not coming from, or caffeine is not just coming from coffee. Right. So staying under about 200 milligrams um, of caffeine a day. Okay. One of the things, so you don't have to fully cut it out. I went through the coffee stand one day and somebody knew, saw that I was pregnant. They're like, Oh, would you like that decaf? And I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, so like, but thank you. So I think it's just being aware. And also if you happen to go a few times over that, it's okay. We're crushing monsters. Like that's when it's like, Hey, let's have a conversation. Like why are we choosing that over anything else? Um, I think one of the big ones too is, um, fish in general. There are conversations. Uh, I, it also depends on like where you're getting the fish, right? So um, if you're getting sushi in the Midwest at just like a random sushi restaurant, probably not the best quality of shellfish or fish for you to be eating raw. But if you think of like going to a really nice sushi restaurant and we know that that fish is like good quality fish, mm -hmm chances of you getting sick from that fish are very slim. Now that's not me telling people like go out and eat some sushi if you're craving sushi when you're pregnant, yeah. but it's thinking through like, okay, why am I eating this again? I'll probably say why a lot more. Um, but also looking at the quality of what you're choosing. Same thing goes for, we're laughing because I know he's about to laugh, I should say, because like one of my biggest cravings has been like a cold cut sandwich. So a lot of times people were like, hey, I shouldn't have deli meat because there's a listeria, which listeria can, doesn't usually make the mom pregnant or the mom pregnant pregnancy brain. Awesome. Taught him. I say, I say that I'm the only one that can say I'm having pregnancy brain. Oh yeah. When he says that I glare. <laughs> um, so cause Listeria can pass through your placenta to the baby and it can make baby sick and it could be preterm labor, lots of other issues that could arise from that. Gotcha. 
the chances of getting listeria through deli meat are less than or even equal to the chances of you getting listeria through pre-cut vegetables that are baked at the grocery store. But oh. people are really quick to eat those because it's a vegetable and like, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but then really weary of eating um, deli meat. So again, it's thinking through, okay, like what is the quality of the deli meat that I'm eating? Has it, is it one of the ones that was like pre-cut and sitting in the refrigerated section and we don't know how long it's been cut for? Mm -hmm. Or did I go to the deli counter? I saw that it was a whole thing of turkey. They cut it. Mm -hmm. I went home and I ate it within two days. Cool. You're probably not going to get sick from that and your baby will probably be just fine. Yeah. That's one of the biggest misconceptions. And I think one of the coolest things that I've learned about pregnancy, um, especially when it comes I don't know, eggs, like the benefit of having eggs while you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Though a lot of times people think they have to avoid the yolk. So should the egg, should the yolk be runny? If it's heated up and it's a good quality egg, you're probably fine. Mm -hmm. um, but the egg, there's a lot of choline, which again helps the neural tube development for the baby. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you have a pasture raised egg versus just your average chicken farm egg, mm -hmm. the presence of choline has been found to be greater in the pasture-raised eggs. And I will say, we call them prego egos now when we buy them, um, just because it has a good ring to it, but they do taste better. And it's also, all you need is like two eggs a day. Mm -hmm. And that's not even like seven days out of the week. So if we were to look like, if you could get two eggs five days out of the week, like the amount of choline that is in that egg and the development that it helps for your baby is like huge. Um, so there's a few things like that where it's like, if we just look a little bit further past the research, because a lot of the research is unsupported to have like, Hey, like people get have listeria and it's like one in 88. I think I'm throwing this number out, but I know it's somewhere astronomically high where it's like one in 88,000 women get listeria. So it's like, Am I going to have that deli sandwich or would I rather go have a Zips cheeseburger? Like, yeah, because that's cooked or I'm trying to think of a better example, but that's the one that came to my head <laughs> or something like that. Like you're okay. Have that deli meat. So, um, I think it's asking questions again about like, okay, why are they telling me I can't have this? Do I understand why they're not telling me I can't have it? Or is it just something that they've told pregnant women for a really long time? Yeah. Um, and then lastly, you did ask about hydration. Like hydration is so important when you're pregnant and also when you're not pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, so my goal every day is hundred ounces of water. And that was pre-pregnancy. Um, it is during pregnancy and it will increase even more because our plan is, my plan is to breastfeed. I say our plan, he doesn't have yeah. that breastfeeding range. But <laughs> plan. Um, and so, um, I know that that amount will still even increase, um, because if you don't want to get dehydrated either. So I think hundred ounces is always a good goal. Gotcha. And it's interesting too, with just the quick about the hydration is in my, uh, continuing education past my degree, um, they had a, a nifty little suggestion for hydration because it helps with, um, since I, specialize in bowel and bladder dysfunction that they suggest half your body weight in ounces of water to begin with and work your way up. I just recently found out that actually there has been no research on that either. So, you know, and not again, that research always is the end all be all, 
uh, I think it's just again reminding us that it's not a one-size-fits-all formula we listen to our body and see what it needs and kind of go from there so um obviously it sounds like the 100 ounces is smells like a good number for you and that's what you've liked um so and then also there's another point too just about how we tell what we tell women and why we tell women and or pregnant people in general what um what not to do and what to do because it's just really it's fear-based it's not even um it's not even factual and then we think about how long we've been giving birth and actually unmedicalized birth and I don't even know if that's a word but um there's a really interesting book and documentary called um the the, like it's like the history of medical uh, like how how we have medicalized the birthing process and how um it is now uh, whereas you know we've been giving birth for thousands and thousands of years without the common medical stuff that we have today and so um why have all of a sudden you know within the past hundred years have we been more of this fear-based um and fear-mongering um, with people's decisions instead of well let's see what works best for you and kind of go from there so um yeah, I agree with that a ton. I think a lot of what we hear nowadays is straight, straight up fear. Mm-hmm. Or, and my philosophy a lot has been like, let's talk about like the pioneer women that I'm sure were eating stuff that was like not pasteurized milk. Like, exactly. like could we be better? Sure. But like, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're fine. Okay usually babies in background or running around or whatever. Um, we, we talk a lot about this just like in the gym too, like on the fitness side of things. Like so many of the women that come in that are pregnant, um, like uh, will come in and be like, oh yeah, I told my friend that I was going to the gym. And they're like, ooh, like be, be really, really careful. Like you don't want to get hurt. And we talk about how it's, it's interesting in our culture how people will watch someone who's pregnant and if they're doing anything that's healthy, like if they are exercising, if they are like approaching like their nutrition or whatever, like, oh, like you need to be careful with that. Like you, you could get into trouble. But if that person wants to go make a crazy unhealthy decision, like oh, I'm going to go slam six Big Macs at McDonald's. It's like, oh, well, you're eating for two. So that's okay. Like yeah. people are really okay with unhealthy decisions. But if it's something I feel like that makes that person uncomfortable where they're like, wow, here's like a pregnant woman that's doing something that I'm not willing to do. Like there's gotta be something wrong with that. You yeah, know? Absolutely. And it's, it's still not talked enough about that either. Um, and it also depends too, I think on your support staff. So this was, was a great uh, segue into the next one is like, who is your support staff right now? Did you, what route did you go for, for like OB slash midwife slash PA? Did you do something like that? And then did you have any other support staff um, that you have used um, and kind of hearing what they are telling you, yes and no, and how your body and like how you as a couple are making decisions, um, kind of how's that process going? Yeah, I think there's a lot of times where we tend to be more laid back in a lot of these decisions. Uh, <laughs> where I laugh because we're kind of taking the philosophy too. It's like, there's a lot that we're going to learn and there's a lot that we're going to mess up on. There's a lot that's not going to go to plan. So I think that there, 
probably on the surface, people I know hear what we're doing. And like, that's it. And we're like, yeah, yeah. Like we, like I didn't research all the items on my baby registry. Like I didn't um, do, I don't know. So when it comes to like my health care and what that looks like, um, I honestly, um, I reached out to a few people and then I decided to go, I went with a physician's assistant who is present at all of my appointments, which has been nice. Um, I have six women in our gym that are currently pregnant. So it's been fun to talk through like what resources they have found. What have I found? How can we share? Um, I've obviously used you because I did have one appointment where the doctor told me my diastasis was like a lot bigger than what it was. And I had a mild, I think that was one of my biggest freak outs of like, <gasps> how can it be like that already? Um, and so going to you, really helpful, right? Trying to reduce it as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're fine. It is not that big of a deal. Um, I was gonna say another thing with the PA that we have, which is one of the things that we like. Not necessarily. It wasn't like a like a deal breaker. This is why we chose her, kind of a thing. But she also used to own a CrossFit gym, and oh, cool. A little bit more of a background in fitness, and like kind of understands that versus like a lot of times. I feel like some doctors haven't necessarily had any kind of training in the whole fitness realm, and they might have a preconceived notion of what's going on, but that's not actually what's going on in the gym. So that that's kind of been nice too, yeah. for her to understand, like she understands what Aaron does. Um, and like, we can have that conversation with her of like, Hey, I was doing this and I felt this afterwards. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like I get what you're saying, you know, that's been helpful. Um, and then a few like resources that I've turned to that are online. I'm currently going through now a pre and postpartum, a coaching um, class. Um, and so that's more movement based. Um, and so that is Brianna Battles. Um, and so that's been really cool to like learn and different breathing techniques and the ways that my pelvis should be positioned in certain movements and certain aspects like that. Um, and then also it's been interesting because I feel like having conversations with like my mom and my sister-in-laws and mother-in-law and stuff like that I show them a few things where it's like I don't want this to happen when I do a movement they're like whoa nobody ever told me that when I was pregnant uh, so sometimes I feel like I'm imparting wisdom on people but I know that there's so much that I haven't learned yet so that's been really an, a weird thing to be like okay Aaron you're the coach of the CrossFit I need to know what to do for this that's like this part is what's worked for me your body could be progressing at a different rate mm -hmm. uh, I stopped running really early on just because it felt uncomfortable, but that's not to say that you can't keep running. Um, some people are able to do it longer. Um, not always suggested, but it's learning what that looks like and bouncing ideas. And honestly, there's a lot of us at the gym that break about you of like how good of a resource you've been. Um, and for us to know like what that's looked like. So yeah. that's my support system. Um, we didn't choose to do, and I wouldn't say that there's a reason why we didn't choose to have like a doula or a midwife or anything. I think for our first, like I said, we're people that are just like, we, we learn as we go. So yeah. that change in this last trimester, but we're pretty laid back when it comes to this. And a lot of people are like, are you freaking out more? And I'm like, yeah. And, and if you're, I think when you just know more education or just more information in general, you aren't as scared or as nervous 
And it, again, the theme seems to be keep coming up in our conversation here is ask the questions, um, know your why. And then also what I also just like to hear you said too, is find practitioners that actually align with your lifestyle. Um, Cause it doesn't feel good to go to an appointment and be shamed for your choices that are actually pretty valid and, but it's just because the person that you're seeing has no clue um, about the reality of that choice. So um, it might take a little bit more time to find that, um, but it, it will be worth it in the end to do as much research as possible to make the best choice. So, um, so the, I guess another thing too is since now you, um, jumping back a little bit, um, you, in most people would suggest that the 200 grams of carbs in a day is pretty high for someone in the fitness world, even though you need carbs in the, in the fitness world. Um, but I have uh, heard some stories from pregnant people who, when they did the glucose test for gestational diabetes, that they weren't used to that much well, let alone sugar, like fasting sugar, um, but that they also weren't used to that many carbs. So then once they took the test, yes, their, their, their body went into this spike of, oh my gosh, like I'm not used to this. Um, and so sometimes people who have that background, they allow um, to do uh, insulin, uh, like blood sugar, or I mean, a blood sugar test, like for three days to make sure that things are going there. Did you have that? Have you done that yet? Have you had a choice? Um, do you know any more information about that at all for other people? I know some, but to be honest, like not a ton. So I did go through the glucose test. I was really nervous actually like, during the test because I chugged this 50, I think it's 50, 50 milligrams of pure sugar water mm-hmm. uh, and it really in like five minutes. And then I went and sat and I felt like jittery. And then all of a sudden I felt my blood sugar just like tank and not tank. Like I felt like I was going to pass out, but I got really tired mm-hmm. because I had a really high increase of sugar and yeah. then nothing on an empty stomach. Um, so I was actually getting really nervous. I'm like, does that mean I'm like gonna fail this test? Um, which was actually big. And I took it on like a Thursday and my office is closed on Fridays. So I was like, I have to wait like a three days. <laughs> um, so I was really nervous about that. And, and so they actually found out that my blood sugar, and it's not like low, low, but it just tends to run a little bit lower. So like that just means that you need to eat more frequently. So I think it just depends again, on the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they said, if you would have failed that, it would have gone on to a three hour test. Right. Was the next one. Gotcha. So, and again, they're not always, those tests aren't always accurate either. That I do know that is like, those tests aren't always accurate, right? Just like most testing in everybody's lives, like the tests aren't always accurate. Yeah. But I think it's being educated about like, okay, why was it this way? Um, and again, we had assumed that there was going to be something a little weird about my blood sugar because um, for like the last two weeks leading up to the glucose test, after workouts, I would feel like I was like going to pass out. Um, and it was just because my blood sugar had tanked. And so I thought like, and I, I should have known better, but um, I was like coming home from work and then I would just grab a quick thing 
to eat. And then we'd go out the door. And I was like, this is not a well-rounded snack before a workout. It would be like a fruit leather or something. Cause I was like, Hey, I just need some carbs to get me through this. Yeah. Um, where a better option would have been, Hey, let's make sure I have a little bit of fat, some protein and some carbs as a snack to get me through this gotcha. rather than just a high spike in carbs, which naturally my body ate those up really quick to use them as energy for the workout. Mm-hmm. And my blood sugar just tanked. And then I got really shaky. This is also like the same time that we were going, we were kind of transitioning from being quarantined, doing home workouts with very little variety Mm -hmm. to going back into the gym where we have so many more options for like the pregnant ladies to like kind of mix it up and do different types of things that they can still do. And so like Aaron's intensity level kind of went up a little bit after a couple months of not having that. So Mm -hmm. like just running through fuel sources faster than what she'd been used to for the past couple months as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't heard necessarily about the three day test. I know that also, I mean, it's really easy to buy, um, like a blood sugar test, like diabetic juice. So it's something that people are concerned about. Like you can also do that. Like they're, fairly affordable and you can kind of track it. And also that's something that you could share with your doctor. If you have any worries about that to be like, Hey, this is what it usually looks like. And I took it right after dinner. And then I took it when I woke up in the morning. So obviously that's a little bit fasted, um, and then take it after breakfast. So if you guys want to have more resources or more data on like what your body actually looks like it's doing, rather than just um, relying on like a 50 gram shot of sugar. Um, that's always an option too. Absolutely. Uh, so, and this is like my own um, experience, yeah. but I, so you're saying that it's really important to have some form of fuel before a workout. And even it's recommended, even if you're not pregnant to have something like that. Um, but for myself, I can, I do not do well with something in my stomach less than two hours before I'm working out. So is there anything that you would recommend for, especially mamas who may be uh, nauseous and like not really being able to get much, but they still want to do some activity? Is there um, with like a protein shake with um, like a little bit of um, extra carbon, it would be okay. Like, is there anything in particular that you have found that has helped at all? Yeah, I think, <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because I call them my protein bar, but they really don't have that much protein, but it's enough protein to get me through a workout. Oh, so there you go. I found these like Costco protein bars. Uh-huh. I would, for fitness, I would not consider them protein, but for function of being pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, do a workout I consider them protein so they have I think they have have like gosh I'm trying to remember like eight grams of fat maybe pushing 20 grams of carbs and like 10 grams of protein where that's enough to like make sure I'm not shaky throughout the whole workout so um thinking through something where if it's like if it has zero of anything of fat protein or carbs probably stay away from that but if you're like, oh, a protein shake, like a protein shake blended with a banana and drizzled with some peanut butter could be a great option. Um, full fat Greek yogurt and berries, maybe topped with some seeds of some sort could be another good option. Whatever you feel comfortable with, not sitting like a rock in your stomach mm-hmm. so that you can eat and feel not nauseous about, um, but making sure you have all three of those. So those are some of the options that I have liked. Um, sometimes dairy also isn't 
some people don't react well to having dairy in their stomach before a workout. Um, so if that's you, like maybe a whey protein shake or yogurt, isn't great for you, but, um, having like, a another option that you could do is trying to think of another one, like a little bit, like a little sandwich wrap. Don't think of it as like a lunch, but a little tortilla with some like meat. If you grilled up chicken, mm -hmm. fresh and some like mayo or something like that. And that's something that you feel like you could eat. Great. I know some people that have loved bacon. Okay. Um, so just thinking through like that you're getting enough of like those three, what they call macronutrients mm -hmm. uh, would be good without sitting hard in your stomach. Perfect. I think the other thing too, and Aaron might correct me because again, I'm not the nutrition person, but um, like her, so she would ha she needed something kind of right before the workout just because of the way like her eating schedule was for the day. You know, like you're saying that you can't really stomach something within two hours of the workout. And I don't think that's necessarily a terrible thing. Yeah. Um, but like when we just look at Aaron's entire day, like a lot of times she would have lunch at noon and there would be a lot of days where she would have nothing from, you know, like 1230. And then all of a sudden she's going to work out at 530 later on. And she, you know, now it's been five, six hours and a workout since the last time she yeah. ate something. So like, depending on how big that last meal was and when that last meal was, you may not need anything right before a workout, you know? Yeah, that um, is true. But you know, something, you know, halfway, which is still um, going to be helpful for your workout later on. Right. Yeah. And that's like one of the things that my doctor and I talked about is like just eating smaller meals more frequently mm -hmm. or to make sure I'm not getting those crazy dips. So don't wait, like have a midday snack at two or three, um, another little something right before the workout. Perfect. Yeah. So then postpartum, anything that you found different or interesting or, uh, unheard of, um, for fueling for postpartum life? Gosh, um, not off the top of my head yet. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know that again, they still recommend like increase in fat, um, a lot to make sure like the most important thing, especially if you're choosing to, and I think it also depends on the person. Like if you're choosing to, uh, breastfeed, like you have to be eating enough food. Like if you are not eating enough food, like your milk supply will not be good. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, you want to think about making sure that like you have good nutrient dense milk that you're able to pass on to your child. Um, and so there are some, and again, I think a lot of people, I'm, I've been surprised to see like how much fat people are having, um, when the, in the pregnancy world. So another good one I'd like to follow, uh, or another person I should say is Adi Cashew who just had a baby herself and she is the founder of working against gravity or WAG. Um, how you like to call it. Um, and she had a baby and she shared what her numbers are and her carbs were like super low, um, like even less than 150, hundred grams, which for her, like she's somebody who's fairly tall, like super lean, like fitness is her life. Um, and she would have a lot of carbs before getting pregnant. Um, and then I looked at how many grams of fat she's having now and it's like above a hundred grams of fat. And I'm Wow. And like, she's still like having a very healthy postpartum journey from what she's shared so far. And mm -hmm. she's usually a person on the good old gram on the good old Instagram that even though I've never met her in person, that I 
that I trust. Is that weird to say? Um, because I know that she's also shared things that have been hard. Um, and so usually when I see people aren't just sharing the highlight reel, I'm like, okay, that's somebody I can look to. Um, I can also choose to see some things that I'm like, eh, I don't always agree with that, but I do agree with that. Or that's at least a cool piece of information to have. Um, so seeing how much of an increase in fat people do have in order to have a healthy pregnancy or postpartum journey has been super intriguing to me. Cause I'm like, Oh, yes. To have some fun with some fat because usually if you're on a fitness journey, that's the thing that you don't get to eat a lot of. Yeah. And being okay with that change in mindset. I, another, um, kind of theme throughout the interviews that I've been doing has, um, change is inevitable, even if you don't, if you aren't pregnant and change, um, is not necessarily good or bad. And it's okay to change not only our goals, but change our, um, tactics and how we're achieving those goals and, um, knowing it's not forever. I'm sure the change that you make is going to change again and whoever, you know, in a day or in a year, like who knows? Um, awesome. So, Anything else that you would like to add? I think we've covered pretty much all of it. Yeah. I think just the biggest thing is like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, know that whatever decision that you're making, like if you feel like it's a good decision and that you're confident in it, like go forward with that. But if you have questions, like find a trusted resource and reach out to them and have a healthy discussion about like what's going on and how you want to improve for yourself. Perfect. And know that it can be online too, that there are people like if you live in a rural area or, or if um, just the resources in your area or even social economically, maybe like you just don't have enough of support in your immediate area, then online is definitely an option as well too. Yep, for sure. Todd, anything else that you'd like to add? Um, just, I think that one of the things, I think we started to talk about this before we started recording, uh, but like, I can support Aaron without eating all the same things that Aaron eats. Mm-hmm. Like starting out, I think we, like I did kind of just eat the same way Aaron was eating, which turned into me eating like, it turned into me gaining 20 pounds and I'm not growing a child. Um, and so <laughs> being able to separate that and like figuring out ways to support her without being like, okay, yeah, like I'm going to eat all the same stuff as you. Um, you know, has been, I think, important for sure. It takes a little bit of extra time, but usually our dinners are two totally different dinners. Um, yeah. And that's okay. And like, we've both come to terms with like, that just looks different for us right now. And that's okay. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great perspective, Todd, because I don't think anyone's actually said, you know, my, as a partner, my health can also be affected by what's happening, um, both negatively or positively, and not even to use those terms either. But, um, you know, that's a really interesting concept. Like if, if Aaron wanted to go get an RB sandwich, you're like, Oh, get me one too, you know, and, but that's not your norm as well. Um, then it can affect your um, health as well in the long term. So, um, yeah, that's a really good perspective out there as well. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Of yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now, here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. 
You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.